morning and thank you. Thank you for your giving. Uh, as we get ready to, to jump into this new series, Overcoming Lack, before we do, uh, we have our dream team party coming up for those who are currently serving on the dream team or have served the last six months. And uh, we sent a bunch of these postcards out this week. So you can start registering for the dream team party if for example, if you didn't receive a postcard because maybe your address changed or something like that, let us know. We'll get you registered in your huddle. Uh, let me tell you, I just registered this morning, and I'm not technologic. I am, excuse me, I am very technologically challenged, and, and I did it within about two minutes. So if I can do it, then I think most of y'all can do it. Amen? Well, let's pray. Father God, I just thank you and excited about this series, Father, for the next couple of weeks of overcoming lack. Father, but we just have to sort of disconnect from our head and begin to hear from our heart, Father, that, Lord, your desire is that, that we live in abundance, an overflowing abundance in our life, Father, in every aspect of our life. And so, Father, we just speak and, and we declare that there will be overflowing abundance in our, in our faith, Father, in our families, in our finances, in our fitness, in our field of occupation, Father, that, that you set us up for this moment, that, that you desire for us to live in our best, Father, to have the best. And so, Father, the next couple of weeks, just give me the ability to convey that to each person in the where they need to receive it in Jesus' name. Everybody said? So the question is, the big question, have you ever been overwhelmed with lack in area, any, any area of your life? Have you ever been overwhelmed with lack in any area of your life? The term lack simply means not having enough. Not having enough. Have you ever balanced your bank account recently and you were overwhelmed with not having enough? There was a lack. Have you ever lacked in your marriage recently? Maybe it's in a lack of intimacy or a lack of communication. Are you lacking peace? Are you lacking joy in your mind? Are you lacking physical rest in your life? Are you, are you lacking that rest that's causing you to be fatigued in your life? Have you ever looked at your children and said, man, they're lacking some area in their life due to my parenting skills? Do you lack in leadership in the business world? And you're thinking, man, I want to go to the next level in my business, but I lack that management skills. I lack that leadership skills, whatever it is. Because the reality is all of us encounter times and seasons of lack. Everybody say abundance. See, I don't want you to confess lack. I want you to confess abundance. But the reality is we all have lack somewhere in our lives. But the good news is, is God's best for you is not to live in lack. One of God's names is El Shaddai, which means more than enough. That God is more than enough. He's El Shaddai. He's more than enough in your life. That, that we serve a God that is more than enough. More than enough peace. More than enough joy. More than enough acceptance. More than enough, whatever it is. More than enough wisdom for all the decisions that you have to make every day in your life. See, God wants you to live an abundant life. The enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy Look at John 10.10. 10. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. But my purpose, it's in red, Jesus is saying, my purpose is to give you or them a rich and satisfying life. Do you lack satisfaction in your life? Do you lack 
significance in your life? Do you lack being well-supplied? Because the word rich there means well-supplied in every area of life. Do you lack being well-supplied in every area of your life? And it's interesting because this word life, everybody say life, is the Greek word zoe. And, and zoe is a common term that we hear of, of people's names. And zoe simply means the God kind of life. The God kind of life. The God kind of life where there's no lack. Think about heaven. There's no shortages or, or lack in heaven. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, says God wants us to have this God kind of life, not just in heaven, but he wants us to have this God kind of life right now in our lives. And I'm not advocating that, that God exists just for you to, to get rich financially, but I do believe in a balance of being blessed and being a blessing. That being blessed and being a blessing. And we know the Bible says it's better to give than receive, but you know, really when you give, you receive. And I just want to say thank you for your giving, your faithfulness in your giving. This week, uh, on Friday, we sent out, I don't know how many hundreds of pairs of socks uh, to a church, house church in, in Washington State. They're going to be taking it to the homeless in Seattle, Tacoma area, and blessing them and, and doing incredible things. And, and then later this week, later this week, we're going to be sending out dress, brand new dress shirts, uh, about 100 brand-new dress shirts, 100 uh, suit jackets, 100 ties, 100 belts, earrings, scarves, different things like that to the Dem Democratic Republic of Congo and Central African Republic because you're giving. We're able to ship that every year for the last four years. We've been shipping new, new suits to the, to the pastors. and it, this, It's always in the past Central African Republic, but now we're adding Democratic Republic of Congo friend of mine, Pastor Forrest, is taking that over, and because you're giving, we're able to sow that and, and make those pastors happy. Amen? And that's what it's all about. See, God, and I, and I love Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, because Paul says it, and I've never read it till I read it this way this week, and, and I always talk about it. And listen to what it says here. And this same God who takes care of me, the same God who takes care of me, and I love this, will supply all your needs. Now notice, not greed, needs. Will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which has been given to Christ Jesus. That, that see, by sharing socks and by sharing suits and by sharing dress shirts and, and those simple things is, man, how God has provided us. God is meeting their needs. And, and even though that we aren't physically present there, one day you'll be in heaven and some guy's going to walk up to you and you're not going to recognize him and he's going to say, thank you for sending me a brand new suit jacket every year. You know, on an average income, a yearly income of $250, how many know that a suit jacket's probably not on a high priority? But, but you have to understand that, yeah, God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. But we're also, as Christians, going to encounter seasons of lack from time to time. John 16, verse 33. I have told you this, all this, so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and many sorrows. But take heart, because I've overcome the world. The next two weeks we're going to look at the, the life of Ruth. 
Because the word of God through the life of Ruth tells us how that we can overcome those seasons of lack that we'll encounter in life. Not that we won't encounter them, but how we can overcome them, how we can walk through them and get through the seasons of lack and back into the seasons of abundance. So when you open up to the book of Ruth, it's really just four simple chapters that, that can change the trajectory of how your life, living from lack to abundance in your life. And the book of Ruth will assist you in getting God's wisdom, assist you in understanding how God works in your life, how God loves you, and the tools to get through the seasons of lack in your life and back into the seasons of abundance. Everybody say abundance. So Ruth chapter 1, verse 1. In the days when the judges ruled in Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. So this is the children of Israel. This is God's chosen people. So a man from Bethlehem, and I want you to underline this. So a man from Bethlehem, underline Bethlehem, in Judah, underline Judah, left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, underline those three cities, Bethlehem, Judah, and Moab, taking his wife and his two sons with him. Now, the backstory is we open up. Here's a Jewish family from the land of Israel, the chosen people of God. They're God's chosen people, and if you study it, are, are faithfully attending, i.e., in that day, church or synagogue. But something happens, and suddenly they start living through a famine in their life. And if you are a follower of Jesus, he does not exempt you from problems in your life. Jesus never promised you a problem-free life. Jesus never promised you a perfect life this side of heaven. But Jesus does have a promise for every problem that you encounter in your life. Jesus has a problem when you have a faith problem, or he has a solution or a promise when you have a faith problem. Jesus has a solution or a promise when you have a financial problem, a fitness problem, a, a situation in your field of occupation or your family, whatever it is. And so, so what's interesting about this is God is the good shepherd, Psalm 23 says, the good shepherd who walks you through the valley of the shadow of death to get you to green pastures. He's the good shepherd that walks you through famines and leads you beside still waters. He's the good shepherd who sets a table in the presence of your enemies. See, it's like with Israel, what's going on right now? Man, I'm just waiting for Psalm 23 to come in fruition as we watch what's happening there. God says, surely in goodness will follow you all the days of your life. So the key is, how do we navigate lack? How do we navigate what the Bible says? Famine in our lives determines how we get to live. How much abundance, everybody say abundance, we experience in our lives. And so in the story of Ruth, the name of the father, if you look in verse 2, is Elimelech. And he moved his family to Moab. Elimelech and his wife Naomi had two sons, Malon and Shilon. They left behind Bethlehem of Judah to go to Moab where they heard there was no famine, where they heard life was better. So in Ruth, you have this beautiful family. They're serving God. They're living in God's promised land. They're living in the promises of God. You know what? Famine comes. So the question is, what happens when you encounter famine? What happens, let's be real, when you encounter lack in your life? Unfortunately, that family, in Ruth chapter 1, did what most of us do. 
is we load up the family car, we put a sign on it that says Moab or bust, not realizing it's actually going to Moab that's going to bust their life. Moab didn't have famine and lack, but they went to what eventually, as we unpack the next two weeks, that eventually busted their life. Why? Because Moab, now understand, Moab means the land just short of the promised land. The land just short of the promised land. How many times have we fell short of God's best in our lives? Because we settled just short of God's promises. How many times have we fallen short in our family, our marriage, our finances, our fitness, our faith, our field of occupation? So the whole family takes off to Moab. And you've got to understand the context. Because you've got to understand. That's why I had you underline those three names. The first one was Bethlehem. Bethlehem means the house of bread, the house of bread. Now, where was Jesus born? Where? Bethlehem. And Jesus said in John 6, verse 35, he stood up in the church and he said, I am the bread of life. Isn't it appropriate? Because you can't write this stuff. You can't make this stuff up. That Jesus, the bread of life, was born at the place called Bethlehem, which is known as the house of bread. The bread of life was born in the house of bread. God's house, the local church, is described as the house of bread where you're spiritually fed. You've got to understand this context. The word of God is described as manna, which is a type of bread. And as you feed on the word of God, as you listen to it, as you read it, you are taking in the bread. Jesus said in Matthew 4.4, 4, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Isn't it interesting that we spend more time eating natural food than we do eating the word of God? Amen? Let's just be real. Most of us do. See, right now, as you're listening to me share, right now, as you see the verses on the screen when they put it up, right now, as you listen to the worship team singing those worship songs, you are feeding on the bread of God's word in your life. And this is more than a self-motivational, self-help speech, but this is learning how to apply. The key is not just knowing God's word in our life, but learning how to apply God's word in our life. Why? Because God's word is life. When we take communion next week and we take the bread, think, man, I am applying God's word in my life. I'm taking the bread of life, the broken body of Jesus, that I might have strength. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you all, if I said Lambert's, what would you all say? Throat rolls. You wouldn't even think about it. You're not thinking Lambert's down in Florida who, who runs an MMA gym. No, you're thinking, man, the house of throat rolls. Some of you are thinking, man, I've been to all three. I've been to Sykeston, Foley, and Lake of the Ozarks. Or, o Ozark. And you know, that's all I'm doing today. That's all the worship team is doing today. Man, we're just throwing you some hot rolls, not stale rolls, not prepackaged frozen rolls, but coming from directly from throne God, heaven's ovens. Now, the question is, the question is, are you used to catching or not catching the throat rolls? 
Have you ever noticed that when you go to Lambert's, I love watching, you see the rookies? That all of a sudden, here's this guy, he grabs that roll, he throws it across, and they're like deer in a headlight. Like, what's going on? This bread is flying through the restaurant. Come on, say amen. It's fun to watch them. And then you see the experts. They know what to do. And then you see the kids. They're like, man, they, they can't even eat all the bread they're asking for. And adults. And then in Ruth chapter 1, I know Pastor Brad and I are getting ready to go to Oklahoma City this afternoon, and we're like, oh, man, Lambert's is sounding really good on the way. But anyway, it's like an hour out of the way, but yeah. <laughs> anyway, the second thing, I'm focused, Ruth 1.1. The second place is Judah. Judah means a place of praise. When you study the Bible, you'll see that often Israel, when they went into God's battle, they would put the tribe of Judah first. Why? Because we go into battle with praise. Why? Because praise requires us to use faith to experience the presence of God. Praise requires us to use faith to release the power of the Holy Spirit into our situation. And in 2 Chronicles 20, you can read the story, but King Jehoshaphat of Israel was greatly outnumbered by the enemy. And after seeking God in prayer and fasting, they put the worship team out in front to sing praises to the Lord, and God defeated their enemies. So, so let me run through this real quick. So Elimelech means God is my king. Naomi means pleasant. Malon means song. Chilon, the other son, means satisfaction. So when you were in God's house, and when you are feeding daily of the bread of God's word, your life is filled with praise and your life is filled with pleasantness and your life is filled with satisfaction because you have a new song and a good song in your mouth and it's declaring the praises and what's going on. So what happens is when we remain in God's house and when we remain in God's word, our life is better than it's ever been before. But how do we, how do we hit navigate when we hit a season of lack or famine because it'll come what happens when we get laid off from our job what happens when we lose our financial security what happens when we get a bad medical report what happens when our family goes awry what do you do when your spouse or children do not behave the way that you think they should what happens when a crisis shows up in your relationship in your health or your finances how do you respond the Bible story in Ruth, what we see from this family in Ruth is what not to do. What not to do. That's what I love about Bible and history. One of the greatest ways to learn what to do in your situation is look at lives of people who have made wrong choices so you don't make the same pitfalls or you avoid the pitfalls that they made in their life, and that's called wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. The Holy Spirit is allowing us to see this story so we can learn to avoid the Moab or the lack in your life. Bethlehem is the house of bread, which is simply a picture of God's word in his church. Moab is a picture of the world and the culture around us. And so on this side of eternity, you're going to live in one of two places. You can't live in both. You're going to live in Bethlehem, or you're going to live in Moab. 
you are either in God's house with God's people, submitting and abiding in God's word, or you're living in the world's way of living, thinking the world's thoughts, following their patterns of relationship. So you need to ask yourself, where am I today? Am I abiding in the world? Or am I abiding in the word? Am I abiding in the world? I mean, you got to be real. Because you can't have a foot in both sides. Or am I abiding in the word? And the Bible has something to say about this. Psalm 108, verse 9. But Moab, my wash basin, another version says wash pot, will become my servant. And then it says, I will wipe my feet on Edom and shout in triumph over Philistia. But Moab will be my wash basin or my wash pot. The wash basin or the wash pot in the culture of that day within context, everybody say context, was where you put the nastiest part of your body to clean it, which would be your feet. Well, we don't have wash basins. We don't have places where we walk in and, and clean our feet. So God is saying, Moab, my wash pot or my wash basin, describes the world's ways, the world's thoughts, the world's way of medicating pain in times of lack and famine. But I want to give you my take on a modern-day culture that maybe we can relate to a little bit better than a wash pot. I do want to let you know, this is a new, brand new toilet, never been used, so please do not use it. And see, what I think God is saying here is when you're tempted to leave me, and when you're tempted to stop reading the word and not making it a priority in your life, and when you're tempted to drop out of church, and get away from God's people and go to the world. Remember this, that the world out there is a toilet bowl. Have you ever woke up and thought life stinks? Are you playing in a toilet bowl? Why is it each time we get paid and it seems like our finances get flushed away? Why is it it seems that we're sick all the time and depressed all the time with no joy all the time because our life is clogged up with a bunch of things it shouldn't be clogged up with? Are you living in a toilet bowl? Because, see, the world has a way of doing everything. Have, and have you ever noticed it always ends up flushed? And my counsel to you is to never leave God's word to go to the ways of the world thinking it's going to make your life better. That's what we learn from Ruth. Because when you are famished and when you are parched and when you are dehydrated, where do you go for a drink? Do you go to the toilet bowl or do you go to God's word, which is living water where you'll never thirst again? Elimelech led his family to Moab to the toilet bowl. And so where are you leading your family? Where are you leading your life?
I don't think any of you would drink from a toilet bowl. Yet metaphorically, how many of us are drinking from a toilet bowl every day? Because, see, there's a difference between toilet water and aloha water. Amen? And it's sad. Because too many Christians are drinking from the world every day. Think, man, I can't wait to get back here till Friday night. God, I'm single, and I'm tired of waiting on you to bring me someone, and I'm tired of being sexually pure. Warning, Holy Spirit, ding, 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 ding. You're about to drink from toilet water. See, the question is, are you living outside the boundaries of God's word? And if you know it, and you're going to the toilet bowl to get your needs met, instead of God's ways, and let me tell you, the price tag is going to be a lot higher in the long run. And if this offends you, I don't apologize. Because Matthew 13 and Matthew 24 says the word of God will offend you. So let me go really slow so you can get this. If you are a Christian, what you feel right now that this offends you with this toilet bowl analogy on the platform, then I want you to understand that's how God feels. Every time you go to the world for an answer, instead of to his house, his people, and his word. Every time you run to the world, his heart breaks. Every time you run to the world, the Holy Spirit says, no, don't do it, don't do it. Don't return to that vomit. You'll regret it. You'll get hurt. You'll hurt somebody else. Just come to me. James 4 says, draw nigh to me. Father says, draw nigh to me, and I'll draw nigh to you, or draw near to me, and and I'll draw near to you. That's a promise for a problem that you're encountering in that. Satan, the prince of this world, he wanted a throne. He wanted God's throne. And you know what? He said in his heart, listen what it said. For you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I will preside on the mountain of the gods far away in the north. I will climb the highest heavens and I will be like the most high. Man, God sits on a majestic throne where there is no lack. And in Ruth chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, we see that it wasn't just the dad that was devastated, but it was a family that was devastated because when we, as the head of our household, go to the things of this world, then it begins to affect all our relationships. Ruth chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Sad. Then Elimelech died, and Naomi was left with her two sons. The two sons married Moabite women. Now remember, the Bible says don't marry somebody who's not a, a Christian per se. Don't, don't marry a Gentile, just marry believers. One married a woman named Orpah, and the other a woman named Ruth. But about 10 years later, both Milan and Kilion died. And they left Naomi alone with her two sons, without her two sons and her husband. 
parents, this is what happens when we as parents go to the way of the world. It affects our kids. When we as a parent leave God's house, and when we as a parent leave God's word, and when we as a parent drop out of God's family, which is called the local church, our kids pick up a lot of baggage. The name of Orpah was one daughter-in-law. Ruth was the other. And both of their husbands lived 10 years and died. 10 means starting over. So at this point, they have a decision of what they're going to do in this season of life. What will they do? When we leave God's ways and we go to the world's way, things die. Your faith dies, first and foremost. God doesn't want you to live in lack, but God wants you to live in abundance, even in family, in famine. Everybody say abundance. So I'm closing with this. Realize your leaving leads to loss. Your leaving leads to loss. And we'll pick up this point next week, and we'll look at six things that help you overcome lack in your life and be able to live in God's abundance. Live in God's abundance in your faith, in your family, in your fitness, your finances, your field of occupation. How to live in God's abundance in those areas of your life. See, this was just the intro. But realize today, ask yourself, am I living in a toilet bowl? Or am I living in the promises of God's word? Because see, the first step is easy. Return to the bread of life, which is Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I promise you, when you realize that you want to come back no matter how far you've wandered, you're still part of God's family. And Jesus is showing up to change your life. But you've got to be willing to say, Lord, I, I no longer want Moab. I want Bethlehem. I no, wonder, no more want lack. I want abundance. And I realize today I've been living in lack. My marriage has been lacking something. My relationship with my family has been lacking something. My faith has been lacking the fire and the joy of salvation that I once had. My finances are lacking. It just seems like I just barely get by. My fitness. Man, I used to be able to do things. I can't even do things anymore. I'm sore. I'm miserable hurt. Man, I was on, a, on the right path to be an incredible business person or whatever it was, that field of occupation. But somehow I've just got used to it. I'm just, just getting by. 
Timothy will learn next week that Naomi returned, she returned to Bethlehem, the house of bread. And Ruth went to the house of bread for the first time and was, ended up as a, as a Gentile woman, ended up as a great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus. So, Father, if you can do that for them, you can do that for, for, for us today. And there might be somebody here that's never asked Jesus Christ into their heart as their personal Lord and Savior. There might be some people here that, man, life got tough and they left the promised land and went to the wash pot. But they're saying, you know what? Like the prodigal son, I'm coming to my right mind, I'm going home. Because even the servants in the Father's house have it better than what I have it. And if that's you right now, right where you're at, just say, Dear Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And I ask you, Jesus, to accept me for who I am. And you know what? He'll do that. And he'll forgive you. And then he'll talk about that, that unconditional Zoe kind of love, God kind of life he'll begin to impart with you. You say, you know, once I used to walk with you, Father, I'm ready to come home now. I'm ready to come home. Moab's not what I thought it was. I'm ready to come home. And you sort of make those your words, your own words. And if you prayed that prayer from your heart, then fill out that connect card in the seat back in front of you. You give it to one of these folks up here on the prayer team that want to pray for you. You can drop it in the black boxes when you leave. But God has abundance for your life. You're not meant to live in lack, but you're meant to live in abundance. So I encourage you the next, this week and next week, study Ruth, come in ready to receive, because you're going to see how you can step into abundance. Not only step into it, but live in abundance, even in times of lack. Father, I just ask that you impart that in their hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.